I admit ignorance once again. Not a hard thing for me to do, and that's why I keep Coley and Kavanaugh around. But a lot can happen in just a few days. We certainly noticed that when we look at the crop condition report, because those reports were compiled in advance of the rain that we got here in the state. But going into that report, we set a record, well, close to a record. The worst state in terms of downgrade of their crop condition was Kentucky, but we were close behind. Coley and Kavanaugh standing by and they're brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. Most farm families too busy farming to go argue politics at the state house or for that matter, go all the way to D.C. But that is exactly the job of your Farm Bureau. So it's really incumbent upon us to support that effort. So look into becoming a member of your local Farm Bureau. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Well, David, you know, as I take a look at some of the news across my desk, difficult to figure out huge drops and then the, and then the recoveries. Because of fundamentals or because the market was overbought going in? Yeah, we were way too expensive. And, you know, I like to figure the average price for corn, wheat, and beans a year ahead. But one of the beauties of my formula is I can take the price that we have now and calculate what size of a crop would it take to produce that price. And on the lows of the corn this week, it would take a one-six billion corn crop to produce that cheap of a price. What if we went back to the uh, price that we get from crop insurance? What would that crop size? That's the 1504. Oh, so that's a pretty close match there. So that's a fair price. But I also said, what if I go to 625? There's a nice fair price for the decent corn, and that's a 14 billion four corn crop. So taking that into consideration, I think the corn right now is underpriced. It has some more upside. Now on the beans, though, we were dead on. We're looking at the 1308 low this week. That was a 4587 bean crops. That means to me that, that was fair priced at that point. That's how overbought we were. If I go to the, the cop insurance price of 1433, I'm looking at a 4450 bean crop. And if I go to 15 where we were before, it's a 4250 bean crop. Look at what we have to do to get these higher prices. And you can project what it's going to take on crop size to get the higher price again on a fundamental side of this, John. Yeah, one thing I'll point out, though, too, Dave, your 16 billion corn crop would take a 200 bushel yield U.S. average, which is, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but I will say it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we have a good crop coming on, but it's certainly not that good. Okay, fundamentals. You talked about the technicals and the market was growing. Mostly overbought, had huge fund length in it as well. So it was primed and ready to go if you got the right fundamentals to break it. It happens every year when you get into the middle of the summer at some point. Not always, of course, but today the market says the weather is such that we're going to get at least a trend line yield. It collapses. Or it goes the other way. If it says, uh-oh, we're not going to get trend line yield, and we're into, uh, say, early part of July, as we approach pollination, the crucial time for corn, every single year, that is a crucial marker. If it looks like we're going to get a big crop and a trend line yield, it's over. It's done. It collapses. And that's what happened this past week. When all those rains moved through the Midwest, and it didn't get everybody. And we got it really bad in northern Indiana, where our market is. But once that happened, the market said, whoops, guess what? We're probably going to have a trend line yield. It's all over. And that's the fundamentals at work. It's saying that big crop's coming on, and that stimulated heavy fund liquidation. And 
it didn't go too far. You know, from a technical standpoint, we got too cheap and a rebound occurred. But are we going to go back to the highs we saw before? No, no. As I gave you the numbers, look what we'd have to do on a crop size. How small of a crop we'd have to get. I'm looking comfortable at a 15 billion corn crop and a bean crop at 4.6. I can handle that. But look how low we have to get. We got to get to a 4.4 bean crop to make a difference there. And on the corn, we got to get to 6.25. The soybeans aren't over yet. I haven't haven't brought that up. We're talking corn at the moment in the corn market. I agree. We're not going back to those highs. It's just the crop is going to be too good for that. You never know. But it's extremely unlikely that that's going to happen. Soybeans, though, are still ahead of us. The big month for soybeans are August. Nobody's paying any attention to soybeans right now. They can burn up, look terrible, get good weather in August, they bounce right back and do great, or the opposite. So soybeans, you know, I'm going to challenge you on that one. You think the soybeans are fairly priced right now? And I'm saying, I don't know. I want to see that August weather first. No, based on what I'm seeing, they're fairly priced. It's a good value at this point. And John, the one thing I want to talk about is the inverses here in the market. And a lot of people are looking at those. Where do I go with these inverses? Because there's an awful lot of money that's being offered to them. And a lot of people are assuming that these inverses will continue. Now, the Board of Trade may not really be willing to move up much. That would drive the inverses, I feel. But if we stay here, these inverses could get wider, I feel. Oh, they could, but we're in a whole different ballgame when you talk about inverses. That's a reflection of the cash markets today. And the cash markets are tight. We know that the government is predicting a $1.44 billion carryover on corn which is okay. It's a little tight, but not too bad. However, the inverses suggest that corn is actually tighter than that. And many analysts are saying that uh, nearby corn, that the carryover may get as low as about 1.2 billion bushels. And that inverse is telling you that could be the case. It's saying that nearby cash corn is not available. Now you say, well, how could that be the case and have a huge inverse? Because we got into the delivery period for July corn. It wasn't there. It didn't make sense to deliver corn. It made sense to take delivery, but no corn was out there. So therefore we get inverted. Again, a reflection of tight cash supplies. So if that's the case, why isn't the board much higher? Well, actually the July board is much higher. And number two, the December market is reflecting the overall supply and demand of corn expected in the coming. That's why they call it the futures market or what they expect in the coming year. And today with all the rains that came through the Midwest, it looks like we're going to have a normal crop and we're going to rebuild supplies. So therefore the price drops. And whereas nearby corn is still very tight, therefore huge inverses. So they both do fit. Yeah, but with the Board of Trade price relative to the cash price, we're showing plus basis. So why doesn't the Board of Trade reflect this demand, John? Is that just because it's local or it's, it seems to be across the whole belt? Nutrients market, its job is to reflect overall worldwide supply and demand, not only today, but in the future. The cash market is reflected in the local basis is telling you how tight corn is today. Right now, if I'm a ethanol plant, if I'm a feeder, and I've got to go out and buy corn, it's telling me that, you know, you're very much out there today. You better pay up for it, fella. David, John just said a particularly uh, important word, and that was cash. And uh, let's just move from the cash market and talk about the strength of the dollar. And and I'd like you to tie that a little bit to what's going on in Brazil right now, because the Brazilian corn crop just got raised this week. We talk a lot about that Brazilian Suprina corn crop and how many difficulties it got. It was to 
too cold, it was too wet, it was too hot. It was, but we can't forget, and John has underscored this point before as well, they planted a lot more corn this year than they did last year. So, David, if you could start by tying the two together, the strength of the dollar and this bigger corn crop coming out of Brazil. Yeah, again, these foreign investors have to change their currency into the dollar, which means they have to pay a lot more of their currency to get our crops because of the higher dollar. We hit a 20-year high in the dollar this week. It seems like we've been beating it up so much here recently, but this is a very big circumstance for anybody wanting to import anything, like beef, pork, any of our grains, anything like here they want to import from us. They're having to pay up for it, and they're going to look for the cheapest price wherever they can, John. Well, so the strong dollar is hurting demand is what you're saying. Yes. And of course, we know that. We know that exports go down when the dollar is strong and they go up when the dollar is weak. I'm talking about commodities. I'm talking about corn, soybeans, wheat and things of that nature. I'd also like to point out you brought in Brazil and uh, frankly, this past week, earlier in the week, the Chinese came in and canceled five soybean cargoes out of the U.S., which they just bought a couple of weeks ago, I might add. Why did they do that? because the Brazilian crop is now available. It's being harvested heavily, it's available, and they're cutting the price like crazy in order to move it. That's what the Brazilians do. And this time of the year, the U.S. falls out of favor, you know, because beans are cheaper in Brazil. Well, today, beans are considerably cheaper out of Brazil than the U.S. China's got some high-priced beans bought, so what have they done? They've canceled those purchases, and they have, we don't know this for a fact yet, but they probably have or are in the process of switching those purchases down to Brazil, where the beans are much cheaper. We talk about Brazil. One of the other commodities that come out of Brazil is beef, but China has had a beef about Brazilian beef recently, so I don't know how that's working out, David, but China has been pretty good buyer of our beef. Yeah, they have been, and it's consistent. And, you know, as we look at these beef exports, Japan has always had a wonderful taste for it, and now the Chinese have too, so that's certainly a plus for me. And, you know, the Chinese have a chip on their shoulder about the Brazilian beef, because remember, they had those big scandals several years ago that stain is still on them. So yes, it hurt their beef market, whereas it's helped ours. Well, uh, John, look, we've come to the part of the program where there's a whole passel of things that you could choose from for your final word today. Uh, what's on your mind that we didn't talk about? Well, David mentioned, and you mentioned too, Rob, about the strong dollar. And it's kind of interesting that right now the dollar is at a 20-year high, which I did not realize till the other day. Holy cow, that's impressive. Now, why is the dollar so strong? Well, I'll go through some of the key reasons why. Number one, the U.S. has most favored nation status. We're looking as being strong and reliable, and we're in good financial shape compared to the rest of the world, anyhow. Number two, if markets somewhere else fail, other countries, et cetera, they get into serious economic problems and they fail, you're done. Your, your investment's gone. Not in the United States. The U.S always pays off its debts, always. So if you invest in the U.S. dollar, you know you're going to get your money back. You haven't got a fear. That's worth a lot. So therefore, creates demand for the dollar. And current interest rates, even though low, they're still relatively low, they're higher in the U.S. than they are anywhere else. For example, right now, a five-year note is at 2.9%, and you can't get a five-year note that high anywhere else. Therefore, strong demand for the dollar again, all of this is contributing to a 20-year high in the dollar. 
John's got a really good point. So what are the other countries doing to kind of build up their currency base and fight inflation? These other countries are adding to their gold reserves. In fact, in the last year and a half, many of them almost double gold reserves. And what does that mean in their terms? They're trying to fight inflation. And India said they went through a bad inflationary period way back years ago. And they started adding their gold reserve and it offset their inflation. It's good to have the strength we're having in the dollar. But I'd like to see a little bit hard money behind it rather than all this paper money behind it. See, John, I guess you didn't really get the last word this week. No, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, you know, sometimes it is difficult to get a word in edgewise with this group. Coley and Kavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. Got to tell you, I was on vacation and uh, got a voice message from the Farm Bureau asking me if I still wanted to be a member. What? (laughs) Turns out I forgot to send in the renewal before we left. Of course I want to renew. Congress is getting ready right now for the next Farm Bill coming up next year, and the Farm Bureau is the number one group supporting the message of farm families on Capitol Hill. You know, you got two choices. Either book a flight and go to Washington, D.C. yourself, or support the efforts of the Farm Bureau as they send their best and brightest to all the congressional hearings to tell the story of farming. So, for me, a Farm Bureau membership is really a no-brainer. Support your local Farm Bureau with a membership. Simply go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.